Mike Sayers, good to see you. Good to see you. Um, you know, somebody has become a good friend when you will ask them something really ridiculous on a week where they have absolutely no time. And I did that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, somehow, I, I don't know. It's part of it, right? I mean, everybody's a little bit crazy. We've all got certain levels of empathy going right now. So oh, my God. Well, good. that last week before you leave for an Olympics and you were leaving in just a couple of days, um, it's crazy because you've just got so many, like, work things, but then you also got the home stuff to do. Um, and then I message you on Instagram. Instagram, like in the middle of it to say, hey, any chance you guys could meet up tomorrow morning? <laughs> and you said yes, which was very nice of you to do. So. Yeah, we made it happen. We always make it happen. Absolutely. So. Okay, so in this podcast today, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, your career going from being a pro racer to working with uh, Team BMC in races like Tour de France to then working with the Olympic movement and some of our young athletes, um, because this is your third Olympics, and this one is going to put your logistic skills to the test. <laughs> yes, it already has. Um, <laughs> We're currently running six apps that are required by the Japanese government or or at least the USOC and the IOC. There's several more, I think, that are going to be coming. So that in and of itself, they told me to get a new phone to Whoa. make sure I had enough space, uh, which I had done. So it's all good. So, yeah, this is logistically, I will say of the two of the three Olympics that I've done, I'm probably less in charge of the logistics of this one from a day to day only because with most delegations i think the working group is very small and very tight yeah and so there's more i would say that there's more high level people within the governing bodies that are attending and actually working not just attending as delegates so to speak um and actually they're like using their skills to to organize so I will say, yeah, I, I'm in charge of the men and partially in charge of the women, but ultimately um, my boss, Jeff Pierce, uh, he's the one who's doing the day-to-day -day The operations. bottom line is that you're going to be hearing Ask Mike for like the next two and a half weeks. So we're going to take a quick break, and after that, Mike Sayers is on Dying to Ask. Olympians, they're just different. Sure, they're fitter and faster, but they're mentally different too. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. And this year, with the first ever delayed Olympics, that mindset is more important than ever. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I have covered the last 10 Olympics for Hearst Television. 20 years of studying and, well, obsessing about how Olympians do life. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life coming out of one of the most challenging years ever for all of us. This is Dying to Ask, The Road to Tokyo. So this is your third Olympics. Is this the most challenging yet? Is that fair? Uh, no, I will say that I was a little more in depth with uh, Re uh, yeah, Rio. Uh, I was I was living in Europe almost full time at that point, and then I had to. So m my travel was like from Europe. I was in the middle of a normal cycling season. Then I went to Rio, and I had been to Rio two times previously that year for scouting and doing things like that. So it was a little more engaged i guess from that aspect and then my travel home there's this story of my travel home uh because i didn't realize at the time that there's um there's two airports in rio oh, and if yeah. you don't go out of the right one uh <laughs> you have an hour-long transfer and there was something about the 
Brazilian soccer team playing, and I needed to get ahead of that group before they shut the freeway down. <laughs> so anyway, this one did, just did, for, did you make it? I did make it. I, knew I did it. make it. I did make it. I I paid the taxi driver like a hundred dollars to go really fast. Yeah, that was very doable. Yeah. So, but isn't it funny? Like, think of how stressed out you were in that Olympic experience. And you probably thought it can't possibly get more crazy than this. Oh, yeah. But who would have guessed this last year that you would be planning around a pandemic? Yeah, yeah. There's no question. And this, I think the the more with Tokyo, it's more the unknown. You're not really clear what's going to happen. Uh, we had talked about just before this about the fact that there's kind of like three villages. Cycling has kind of its own village because it happens outside of the city. It goes from the city out to uh, the base of Mount Fuji where there's a car racetrack there. That's where the venues mainly take place. So it's we're not even in the village, the the big village, the main village. So it's just a lot of like, okay, what's gonna happen? Or, yeah. you know, is our village, like, can we leave? Can we not leave? How much freedom do we have or not have? What's, what are the, uh, What's the food going to be like? Like, there's still a lot of unanswered questions. So what's your official title going in this time? So I'm the men's road coach, uh, and I'm helping with the women. Um, but I think my role with the women may get a little bit larger as we get closer, but I'm not directly in charge of So typically, athletes. what would your responsibilities be? So just day-to-day -day organization of, of the riders. Uh, there's a recon day for the road race, and then, of course, race day, and then a recon day for the time trial, and then of course, race day. So organizing those guys, uh, one of the riders, Lawson Craddock, will be coming from the United States. The other rider, uh, Brandon McNulty, who's currently riding the Tour de France, his first Tour de France, he will literally finish the tour and get on an airplane and fly to Japan. That guy's head's gotta be spinning. Yeah, and not not to mention that his team, he rides for UAE, so they currently have the lead of the yeah. race. So he's, it's a good month for him. It's a good month for him, <laughs> very good month for him. He, he he had a few touchdowns, he had a few, a few crashes this week, but I think he's better now. It's settled down a little bit, everybody's yeah. a little tired as they go into the third week, so he's just doing his job. So how many athletes total are you responsible two, for? Two for the men, and then we have five for the women. Uh, the women, as has been the case for several years now, quite frankly, have been carrying the road program for USA Cycling, so. I'm sorry, what was that? Yes, I know, it's, it's <laughs> hey, listen. One more time for the people in the back. Yeah, for the people in the back, <laughs> the women have been carrying the programs for a few years now. Co very quality group of, of ladies. Uh, that are racing it was the selection procedure which I was not directly involved in this year uh, was really quite difficult there was uh, the pool was extremely deep yeah so speaking of deep you're in deep when it comes to logistics even just getting into the Olympics so can you explain like what what does it take for you guys to even get in and process get your credentials and start start this process for one thing COVID test, which is why we're recording this podcast where we are. We're at a park bench right now because your COVID test got lost in the mail. And it's the first test of a couple. Yeah. So we, we have to do uh, essentially three tests about every 24 hours. That's one of the requirements. And there's a there's a, an app. Like I said, there's an app requirement. So we have anywhere from, I think, between six and 10 apps, all of which are running a different scenario so some are tracking some are internal communications some are uh actual more broad olympic communications so these are six apps for coaches or for anybody who's going you any of the up. people that are going i mean every delegation and every governing body would have their own like internal ones that they would use but 
there's a tr there's some tracking apps and the COVID testing apps are all universal. So we all have to have them and you have to go through a series of events through those apps to get them to activate. Uh, there's a bunch of paperwork you have to figure out and it gets, I mean, really it gets super confusing because you're, they're not apps that you use every day. So they have different names and you're like, <laughs> okay, did I, re and you have to register on your computer and then you download the app and then you register on the app. And listen, I can barely remember my passwords for my Chase account. So <laughs> now I've got like all these new passwords and you're, tr you know, it, it gets, it gets confusing and frustrating. And then the flight itself is we're going uh, from what, again, I haven't, I've gotten some feedback from some people that have already landed on the ground. Uh, so essentially we're flying, I'm flying from here to San Francisco, San Francisco to Tokyo. So that's a 12 hour flight. I get in at like a four in the afternoon on the Saturday and then the processing, they're saying allocate five hours wow. to get through the processing. So then that's the immigration and then the process, the delegation processing. And then for us, we have another three hour drive just to get to the hotel, which we're trying to we're trying to discuss like what is that going to look like because uh, we as a as cycling we have to have vehicles mm -hmm. for what we do uh, because we have to drive the riders to the starts and then we follow the riders behind the race so it's like getting the vehicles and then driving so at this point you're looking at 24 hours and it's a little worrisome right you 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 don't want to be on the road when you're fatigued and you're driving to the hotel the only thing you want to do is find a bed and you're nine time zones later. So yeah, the logistics part is is really difficult. And we don't even know, like if we wanted to s try to break that in half and just stay at the airport and then get up the next day and drive, we don't even know if we can do that. So it's just a lot of like, we don't know. That you, you get a lot, what we're getting a lot right now is just, we're not sure. Yeah. A lot of people are That's working. That's not comforting because if you make a mistake along the way and you don't check a box, you don't do something, it can put, big things on hold it can put you in a really bad position yeah well they can i mean my biggest worry right now is just ensuring that i have the proper COVID testing so that when i get to the airport that they don't turn me around mm -hmm. and say okay you didn't check this box or you didn't so you're trying to figure out what is this form that i have that you sent me going to be sufficient to just get me in the door yeah. i'm just trying at this point there's a velvet rope i just need to get through the velvet rope <laughs> so that i so that i can do some things for some people but so do I you can help but do you know the bouncer <laughs> that's what you need to know i need to know the bouncer i need to know the bouncer which i probably am not gonna yeah, know no. yeah no oh, it's just about how many COVID tests before you even get on the plane uh well three before i get on the plane and uh, i mean for those of us who in our normal everyday life we've all, all probably had I, I mean, I think I'm like double digit COVID tests at this point. And I was one of the first people to get in line to get vaccinated and the whole thing. But I mean, I'm averaging like one test every 10 days. I, I did go on vacation, so that opened it up to a whole bunch of other tests. But just to operate, I think everybody's in the same boat. Going back to offices and doing these things sure. for companies, you gotta get tested, so. So once you guys actually get there, um, what's your impression about what kind of freedom you'll have? I mean. I know Dami and I, we love getting out and exploring and, st I mean, we have really long days, but I always try to like get out before the day starts just to feel like I had some time to myself in some way. Can you go out and take a walk? Right now we're not clear on that. And <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And so the, the hotel itself is literally at the base of Mount Fuji. So the, 
that's a very iconic and I've never been to Japan. It's, I've been to a lot of places, not Japan. So it's a very iconic thing that you want to see and experience. And I'm kind of like, well, hopefully I get a window view. <laughs> hopefully I get a window view so I can at least see it. But we're not, we're not sure. What we know is that there's an allocated training time for the women to go out and preview their courses, which would be two days, and an allocated time for the men to go out and preview their courses, which would be two days. So worst case scenario of the 10 days that I'm there, you know, I, or I'm sorry, 13 days that I would be there. We know for sure I get out for four days. And then beyond that, we're just going to have to wait and see what they say. It sounds like solitary confinement kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, it's in in a weird way. Yeah. But we just came off of a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever, we're six months into being kind of opened up. And that's why I think I'm like everybody, like COVID has kind of reset my mode of operation and what's important to me on a daily basis. So in these days that I have at home, like I'm trying to get some exercise and I'm trying to get outside and work in my yard and just do some normal things mm-hmm. because we went 12 months where we couldn't do a lot of those things Yeah, uh, and, and see a lot of people. It is going to be kind of interesting for athletes. I mean, we've got 11,000 athletes who will be there from more than 200 countries and they'll be living in basically the Olympic bubble and, and they're not doing a whole lot beyond that i mean it's also going to be in and out you're not hanging out and partying in the village yeah which i hear is a good time (laughs) right it can be it can be and we had our years where that was really good but yeah there's literally i have to be i have to be out the day after uh the last event so i'm i'm finishing late in the afternoon on the 28th and on the 29th i'm gone i'm I'm coming back home and so there isn't any like we if there was a conversation could we even stay and see some events or do some visiting and it was like basically the answer was no not not exactly no but in a roundabout it's like mm, that's not gonna happen and they, in the past there's you've gone to these these olympics london or rio where as a participant or yeah as a part of the delegation you could say hey you know i want to go watch men's basketball or i want to go do this and london was great unfortunately that was my first so i was probably spoiled but I tell people all the time, I mean, there was times where I would walk to the dining hall and there's Kobe Bryant. I mean, it's like, hey, man, what's <laughs> up? Like, <laughs> You know, and my son, who's a huge basketball fan, and those are some of his heroes, It's it would be awesome to be able to have that experience. We're not going to have that at this point. But, you know, it is what it is, and it's it's like everybody, you're just doing your best. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I've... I've really been encouraged watching the tour the last two years that they've been able to pull this off, you know, remarkably. Did you think that they'd pull the Olympics off? Like there was a time where I thought there was just no way. And I, I, I think there's some, so the athletes that I'm 51, the athletes I'm dealing with are for the most part in their early twenties. A lot of these athletes didn't even realize that there were Olympics that were canceled at some point. So World War One, World War Two, but never like postponed a year. So we're this whole thing is just un, uncharted territory. And at one point I thought, okay, well no way they're gonna postpone it because logistically, how do you make that work? Even from a branding standpoint, like how do you make that work? Do you put a one where the zero was or <laughs> what you know, how do you label it? But they did it and, and they're doing it. They're moving forward and and I'm sure that there was a lot of people making a lot more money with a lot more responsibility that were just on a daily basis 
dying inside. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm amazed that it's actually going to happen. Yeah. I really am. You had mentioned um, kind of that retuning that you've done, like we all have in the last year of kind of what's important. How are you different after this past year and, and how has that impacted what you do professionally? Um, I would say that in just in a summary, my level of empathy in general has gone like through the roof. Are those around you happy to hear you say that? Uh, probably, yes, <laughs> probably. But watching, I mean, you, your your children are the same age that my son is mm-hmm. or thereabouts. I think they split. And so you went through this whole process with them. And I think, you know, we, like everybody, had some struggles early on. And then we had some coping mechanisms. And, and I think when you watch, uh, what, what I found is when you watch these really young people kind of who don't have any... Uh, past history to go back on to fall back on they're just living it literally like every single second you look and see what they're doing and you you try to use them as your guide like okay they're struggling with this and they can't possibly be the only ones and Mm -hmm. so you know how do we help them just navigate this what do we have to do as adults to sacrifice to make sure that they're mentally sound Uh, because you know like you look at your kids and when they're struggling your, your only objective is to make it easier for them. And I think the athletes in some ways, because they're so young, I mean, young as compared to me, it's a very similar scenario. Like, what do we do to just get them to the starting line? Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do to just get them there so that they can do what they need to do for themselves? Uh, and you just have to be super empathetic to what's happening. Yeah, and it is interesting. I mean, it's the... I've found this year that I'm grateful for age and experience because you've done hard things. You've dug deep. You've had those horrible, challenging times. Um, And you can remember what you learned in those times to try to get through it. But you're right, for younger people like our kids' age or these athletes, they don't have that life experience that helps you sometimes put your head down and just get stuff done when you need to. Yeah, and it's at one point my son, I remember very early in COVID, said to me, Oh, what did you, something to the effect of, what did you do when this happened when you were a kid? And I just <gasps> literally looked at him and I was like, yes. no, 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 I have to. And, th- and at that point you learn, you're like, okay, wait a minute. I need to, look, we need to establish some context. Let me explain this to you. This has never, ever happened. And you are literally living <clears throat> history. And then that transcends into a whole bunch of other things that you can discuss or talk about. But I was absolutely shocked. Like I literally was speechless for maybe a minute where I was like, I didn't even realize that he didn't even realize that this has never happened before. I had the exact same conversation in my house. And then I tried to explain to them that you and I probably had one phone in the house that was connected to a cord and you would have to like sneak into a closet for privacy. That was (laughs) the extent of... And then they didn't want to hear about it. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. but you're right. I mean, like, their experience is just, it's so different. Yeah. And you feel, I don't know, I mean, we we felt, my, my wife and I, I think at one point, felt very alone, right? Because we weren't really talking or, or certainly not associating with anyone. Mm-hmm. So we felt very alone and very isolated. But then you have conversations with other adults and uh, other peer groups and parents and you realize everybody was dealing with the same thing, and yeah. then it, and then it really clicks. But it's like, oh, okay, all right, all right, we're we're just in a whole new territory here. And then I think, at least for us, that was when the communication really started to open amongst other parents and peer groups. Was 
when we realized that we were not the only ones that were suffering this thing. Yeah, like I mean, empathy meets vulnerability yeah. in these situations. So, um, it, based on all of that, I feel like, even though it's been controversial, should there be an Olympics, should there not be, I feel like this has the potential to be this incredible unifying experience for people watching. And I really feel like people around the world will be able to look at a lot of these athletes in a different kind of way. Do you think that people will have that reaction? Does it feel like that to you? Or does it have a, does it just feel like any other big sporting event? No, I think it, I think it feels exactly that way. And I think that there were some things that happened prior that, that opened the door. So for example, like when in, in my house, basketball is a very big part of what we do. We're very big fans. Mm -hmm. So last year when they went into the bubble and they were playing and there were games like it was like the NCAA 2A tournament right there were games every day and we were watching and very excited about the various things there were no fans there was no like it was internal that we were having to create it so I think that opened the door for us to see how important it was for us specifically and maybe in general and now I think the Olympics are just it's just like that the next level that next step We've had a regular NBA season. We had an NFL season. Like baseball is kind of going on. So now we have this next level of kind of international competition. For me specifically, like you'd mentioned, the tour happened last year in a very weird form. I had some athletes that were participating on the on the female side and going to Europe and like competing. And now it, it's a little more open. And now we're going to like another level. So I think it's going to be... I think people, once it starts and once we get engaged, it's going to be like all of the sporting events that have been on TV where people are going to really get engaged and really be a part of it. We just we just need to get there. We yeah. just need to start so that people so it'll be on TV and people will have something to do and, okay, we're not there or they're not there and they're not in the stands or doing the thing, but they're still fans and maybe even bigger fans than ever. You know, in some ways, new kinds of fans, new kinds too. Of fans, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so we're doing this 21-day challenge. So 21 days to kind of jumpstart, you know, your physical fitness. You spent a lot of time on the road, or you have in the past. What's the most number of days in a year that you've been on the road? Would you guess? Uh, I had some. I could have just asked your wife, but <laughs> right, I figured right. I. <laughs> I had some. I, I had you. some runs where we were like, uh, like four months in. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like four months at a block. Yeah, so you're, I mean, like, you're kind of the pro at living out of the hotel room and getting things done. So part of our 21-day challenge is, like, challenging yourself to get out and move every day. What are some things you do when you're on the road to stay in shape if you don't have access to a gym or to something, or to even a bike? Yeah, so the, in those periods, what I found was I, I became a runner to, well, a horrible runner, but I became <laughs> a runner, which I was, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of. It's not my favorite. So then I transitioned to a walking kind of a scenario because walking actually in, in a lot of studies is one of the best exercises you can do. You can also kind of semi work when you're doing it. Like if you're running, you can't answer email or do whatever. Walking, you can do those things or you can listen to a podcast or, or whatever, listen to music or whatever. So walking is my biggest thing, but walking is also a great exploratory apparatus, right? You can you can see a lot if you go walk in a community you've never been to before some village in in japan you walk around you see things that you would not never see if you were in a car and not even if you're on a bike and it doesn't have to encompass a big space like you don't have to go point to point you could literally you can walk around a hotel you can walk up and down if it's a multi-level hotel with stairs 
you just do some reps, right? I mean, it's like a built-in stair climber. You just go up to the top, you come back down, you go up to the top, you come back down. So there's a lot of that. Um, I have these bands, uh, which is very popular, these little, uh, whatever, they're like 12-inch bands. Um, there's all kinds of things you can find online for, you know, core exercises or, you know, posterior chain. So everything on the backside of your body, activation, which is really good for you. If you do, if you are on the road for a week and you do those exercises, when you come back and you engage in your regular exercise, so whether it's running or walking or cycling or whatever, or you're playing a sport, you actually end up functioning from a functional level. You're actually a lot better. Your, your body actually makes some improvements. They're not hard exercises and they don't take a lot of energy or a lot of time. And it's definitely not a, 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 a pain gain scenario, right? They're very low intensity. But you got to plan. But you got to plan. Just but plan the planning it. is easy. You just, you just block off 15 minutes, right? I mean, you get up early. You don't have, if you're not at home, those things that you get, uh, you get sucked into when you're in your house the you know i don't know the feeding the dogs giving the dogs water or whatever or going in the backyard being like oh i gotta move that out for the gardener or whatever you don't get engaged in those things so you have this window of time you just now you use that to do to do a 15 minute walk or do your band exercises or Love do some push-ups or do whatever you just yeah it just becomes part of your routine and it makes you what what i have found is that when you do those things when you're on the road you feel way more, well, you, you feel much happier about what you did. It's not just, it doesn't just get rolled into your daily routine. You're actually, you do it and you're like, okay, man, yeah, I did my 15 minutes again. Like I'm high-fiving everybody in the room, which is just myself in the mirror. And then I'm just like, okay, I did my exercises. I could feel super good about what I did today. And now I'm going to go do whatever it is that I'm going to do. That's an awesome tip. That yeah. is a really good one. Well, thank you for, you know, catching up with us here in this park before you take off. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming all your COVID tests get squared away, which yeah. I'm sure they will. Um, best of luck. I hope it's safe and fun and that, you know, they let you out of that hotel once in a while. Yeah, it's going to be, the group will be tight and it'll be a unique experience. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I said this to one of the athletes the other day. This is, this has nothing to do with me. Like literally, has nothing to do with me. It's their experience. Some of them, this will be it. Like I, I've been lucky. I, this will be my third one. Some of them will never go back for for various reasons, and it really needs to be about them, and it needs to be about their experience. And so I'm asking them for feedback. Like, what is important to you? Because there, there are some logistical and some approach things that we need to get sorted right away uh, so we know how to operate as a group, but it really is about them. And so I, I just want to go there and I do want to be super happy and super bubbly, I guess, for them because they may never come back. And, and I've just been fortunate that I've been back a few times. So, and isn't it interesting yeah. that this is the experience they'll have? Yeah, I mean, and they, they'll like, never forget there it. There will never be one like it again. No, and it's I just hope. like your kid and my kid, you know, they'll never have an 18 months or at this point a 24 months once school starts again in September. Like, they're never going to have that window of time. It's never going to happen like that again. Not going to. Not going to. We'll assume not. All right, have a great trip. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming out. Uh, what's a good way for people to keep up with you? Uh, I got Instagram. I got all the social media. So uh, Mikey Havoc. So it's M I C K E Y, 
H-A-V-O-C. That was my nickname when I was a bike rider. So <laughs> Mikey Havoc is my Instagram and my Twitter, although Twitter is less often, more Instagram now. And then I'm on Facebook, of course. And uh, there will be – USA Cycling has a great social media. They have great social media platforms. They'll be posting. Uh, most of the time, you should be able to watch the events on the various channels this year. So the great thing about cycling, at least the road cycling events, is that we're always the one of the first events to kick off. So we're early in, early out, but there is some excitement to that. And then the track events, which uh, I suggest people hang in there for a little bit later in the Olympics. We have some incredible opportunities, especially on the women's side. To bring home what was that yeah especially on the women's <laughs> side to bring home a basket full of of medals that's exciting and so well and, and bmx freestyle hannah roberts B, exactly we had her on the podcast oh my gosh she's a baby yes yes and, and so just the incredible. freestyle thing is very new for for the cycling events and definitely some medal opportunities there but I will say, you know, we have some great men. Lawson Craddock and Brandon McNulty are excellent riders. But the women, um, like I said, uh, for the last couple of years, they've really been carrying the program, and it's great to see. It's all great to see. Well, best of luck, and we look forward to seeing what USA Cycling does in Tokyo. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening to this Dying to Ask. We'll see you again.